podcast and ladies and gentlemen we have a super bowl set the kansas city chiefs once again returning to the super bowl fourth time in five years to take on the san francisco 49ers scotty yes sir congratulations bud two years in a row this podcast has a has a as a team representing in the super bowl and second year in a row that they're going to have to go up against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes in order to get that ring. 0 for 1 so far. Perhaps the Niners can get it done. Uh, no other place to start here. I know how you're feeling, Scotty. Uh, so how how has it been? You're at almost almost 24 hours since uh, your team punched their tickets. It's a great feeling. It's the best feeling you can have in, uh, in football. Yeah, yeah it is, uh, especially after the emotional roller coaster that was last night. Um, and then, you know, in the middle of it, I, I decided, you know, if we play like crap and the Lions end up winning and going to the Super Bowl, I can't be mad at that. Um, kind of like how last year when when Brock's injury happened, I was like, well, what can you do? Like, yeah, go Eagles, go get Mahomes, please. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of in that mentality. And and then on, on the other side, I was like, well, if we come back and win, then like even better for me. So, like, I was just being like, you know what? This has been a really shitty first half. I've wanted to do things to myself that uh, I don't want to repeat. <laughs> yeah, that were probably I... pretty bad, and I I regret saying some. Um, <laughs> but at the time, that's what I felt, and I decided oh, to be a football no, fan. Right? None yeah. of that. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be positive. We're gonna we're gonna start this this history uh, starts right now, um, and. and uh, we're, we're we're on the the beginning of the the best comeback in the NFC Championship game that anyone's ever seen, and it worked. So I'm very happy. <laughs> Understandably, uh, yeah. I mean, look, outside of winning the Super Bowl, the the AFC NFC Championship game to get your team to the Super Bowl is one of the best feelings. Uh, you know, you get two straight weeks of nerves, but it's that excitement. Like last year, I, I listened to every single podcast, I watched every show, I was. I couldn't get enough content getting ready for the Super Bowl uh, and the, the two weeks. It's going to be a long two weeks, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun and exciting two weeks full of uh, hope and excitement. And, uh, you know, again, if it pays off, it means it's like one of the most fun months you're going to have. You know, the playoffs ending in the Super Bowl, the two week gap you have there. It's amazing. Um And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, it's it's still a fun ride when you get there. But the. The hope right now, that's the best part, is you feel good. Hey. You feel like, you know, you got your ticket punched. You're ready to rock and roll. And that's, that's either a fun way spot we're to dr- be in. Either way, we're drinking. <laughs> yes, exactly. Either way, uh, alcohol will it's be It's going to be a moist February. <laughs> yeah, after a dry January, it'll be a very, very moist, very wet uh, February. Uh, at least for you, Scotty, one way or another. Um, Vito is also here. So we got the whole crowd. Um how you doing, bud? We'll check in with Vito first. Good, man. You ready for this? Uh, first weekend in like eight weeks. I haven't traveled. There you go. So I was in Cleveland. You guys, I, I know this sounds pretty common probably to most people, but super exciting for me. I bought groceries for like longer than, you know what I mean? Like had groceries, mm-hmm. cooked meals for the week. I took a lunch to work that I cooked yesterday. 
don't get to do these things often. So um, very ecstatic living, an, uh, you know, a typical week without travel. So um, it, it just really nice. And uh, so overjoyous about like having a lot of extra time randomly yeah. and worked out, like did some good things health wise. Like it, it was just, it was good. So good weekend. I think this is me getting like, you know how people always say like, when you break up, you're like, you got to convince yourself, right. I'm getting the six pack and back to the gym, whatever. Yeah. This is me in football. This is me in football. So now that we have one game left and it's going to take two weeks to get there, I need to get in the gym, really start thinking about the summer, thinking about what else is going to happen in life after this. And, and uh, it's like that self-convincing, like, no, things are great. Things are awesome. And they're going to be great. Um, But something will hit before March madness where you're like, I could really use a red zone Sunday in my life. So got to do what you can to keep yourself up, you know, uh, keep active in the winter and everything. So, well, you know, we'll have, we'll get, we'll get sucked back into football. We have the combine like a week after the Super Bowl. Uh, Cause it used to be two weeks, but now that they pushed the Super Bowl back a week when they added the extra weekend, now it's only one week. So you get the Super oh. Bowl, you get a week, then you get the combine. And then we're, we're right in the thick oh. of draft season. And as we get ready for the draft, we're going to have, you know, NBA regular seasons heating up. Of course we have March Madness, the masters, we're going to have plenty of things, but mm-hmm. It is. It, you're right. I mean, nothing, nothing matches it. As soon as we get to Monday yeah, until that Super Bowl, Monday after the Super Bowl, you're going to realize like, man, it's a long road back to football um, where this is going to be our fourth Super Bowl as the, as a pod, which is pretty huh. crazy yeah. um, to, to think about. It started with uh, the, the Bucks and Kansas City, and then we had Cincy in L.A., and then we had... Eagles, Kansas City, and now we have San Francisco, Kansas City. The rematch. Is it a rematch? I don't know if it's a rematch. It's like similar, co- same coaches. Mahomes is there, but very, feel very, very different teams. Yeah. yeah. You still had Kansas City's feels the same, minus Tyreek Hill. Um, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind but of I a mean, rematch. Yeah. There's a handful, you know, of Niners that were on that 2019 team, but for the most part, the attrition since then has been drastic. I mean, Trent Williams wasn't on that team. Um, yeah, for the Niners right. and and see, seeing his emotion after um, after his long careers as what we widely consider probably the greatest left tackle in the game right now, um, to see him get emotional at, at the fact that he's going to the Super Bowl, that was yeah. I was like, oh shit, yeah, he has been like and McCaffrey, same thing. Like um, they've, yeah, they've been around for a while and, and they they haven't been to a Super Bowl. So guys like that, yeah, but like the Bosa's uh, of the world. Um, who else was that? Juice Jack, Kittle, those guys, Debo. So yeah, yeah, those, Debo. That, I think was a rookie the, that year. Yeah, I think that was his exactly. rookie season. It was uh Nick Bosa's rookie season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Greenlaw was there. Fred Warner, I think, was there. So it's, some of the teeth of that defense were, were on the Niners at that point. Um, but not a whole lot else. I mean, the secondary yeah. is completely different. It was Armstead? I think Armstead was on that team Armstead, too. Armstead, right? I believe, yeah. was there. Yeah. So a lot of the core guys are still, you know, we're still there. But um, nonetheless, man, it's. It never gets old. Uh, obviously, three straight uh, NFC Championship appearances for the Niners, and they they punched their ticket here finally after three years. And this is what four of the last five years they've made it to the NFC Championship game. Yes, so correct, sir. And they're now two two for four. It's a hell of a run. You know, we we talked a lot about. I was thinking about this actually this weekend. I mean, we've talked so much about this run. Obviously, Kansas City four Super Bowls in the last five years that they've that's been in bananas six consecutive AFC Championship. I mean, that's an insane stretch. We haven't really talked about that as much with the Niners, right? Because it kind of gets overshadowed by how ridiculous what Kansas City has done, and so the fact that we haven't won one. 
<laughs> like that's yes. the yeah, of course. And that that plays a big part into it as well. Yeah. Um and that stat and... you were saying too, like the six and it, like think about this. Every year Mahomes has been the starter, they're in the AFC championship game. Yeah. That's the most ridiculous thing to start a career, like six years in a row like that. Um, you know, <laughs> Tom didn't do it, Big Ben didn't do it, even with his crazy fast start in the NFL. Like this is just and- crazy. And an 80% hit rate on getting to the Super Bowl. Like that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. four out of four out of the six, he's made the it only, to the Super Bowl. It's it's nuts. The only better guy is uh the legend Otto Graham, who made seven of ten Super Bowls in his career. Yeah, which hey, who knows? I mean, Mahomes theoretically Mahomes could, could beat, beat could yeah. could beat that record still, which is and they which like is outrageous. And he's gonna be teams. playing for a lot yeah. longer, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's gonna be playing for more. I mean, uh, hopefully he's gonna play for longer than 10 years. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. I thought I really enjoyed both games um, from from just a football fan. I, I enjoyed the Ravens Chiefs game. We'll get into that game second. We're going to start with the with the Niners and Lions because I think there's the most meat on that bone. Um, and look, I'm going to say this now. I have, I have a feeling this is going to get a little contentious off the jump because I think I, I, I'm happy for you, Scotty. I'm happy for McCaffrey and select players on the Niners. Um, but not but I but I think we I think we all three of us, I think, watched the games and felt a little bit differently about it. So I think it's going to be fun. So um, we'll start with with you, Scotty, since it's your boys. You picked them. Uh, and they, they didn't cover the spread, but they did. The Lions covered. Um, barely, too. little reverse backdoor after it seemed like they were easily going to yeah. cover. Then they lost it, and then they ended up getting it back again there at the end. Um, but, yeah, Scotty, how, uh, how, did, how did you see this game playing out, right? Like ultimately, from your vantage point, obviously you're a fan – I'm not going to read the text you sent me in veto um, because it, we say a lot of stuff on this podcast, but I'm going to keep that at least private. But the least uh, for everyone to know, Scotty was not very happy during the first half, uh, questioning no. his fandom, questioning uh, the whole team and everybody about it uh, and saying a very different tune in the second half. So from your vantage point as a fan, obviously you're riding the emotions, highs and lows. What, how did this game play out to you? It, uh, it goes back to, again, um, what I talked about there at the top where it, it was so bad in, in the first half and the Lions seemingly uh, got to do whatever they wanted to do, uh, whether it was golf, whether it was Gibbs, whether it was Jameson Williams on the end, end around that for that 42 yard touchdown right out of the gate, um, anything they wanted to do. And on defense too, uh, look, the, the Niners moved the ball uh, on the first drive and ended up missing the field goal. Um but then beyond that, it was it was the interception, and then it was a couple of of three and outs, and like Brock didn't have the ball in his hand for most of the first half, and that's a credit to to the game plan that the Lions had uh, had schemed up. So uh, it, it it was it was not one of those things where I didn't think it was insurmountable, but the way the Lions were playing, the way that they had built the lead, I was like, this is going to be tough, tough sledding. And, and again, like I said, it goes back to what I said at the top where. Um, you know, if it was one of those games where, hey, that's destiny and uh, and the Lions go to the Super Bowl for the first time in their history, I can't be mad at that because of the way they played and because of how poorly my team played on both sides of the ball to get there. If it happens that we win, come back and and, and make history by racing a 17-point deficit and winning this football game, uh, I'll be happy with that too. Um, so it was it was more of a, a rationalization to get into positivity mode, um, whether or not we won or not. But uh, but. You know, like I said, I texted you guys. History starts here, and it uh, it did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I 
Look, I, I see this game. I mean, I think going into it, if, you, if you're looking at just the flat out rosters, like I, I do think San Francisco was the better team on paper. I thought Detroit was the better team yesterday. I do. Um, I think, and then there's a couple of things here. In any run to any championship in any sport, you need some luck, right? Yeah, the and there was there was a lot the of luck in this game. Uh, yeah, including like the the game the the play that ultimately changed the the tone of this game entirely, which was the should have been intercepted bounce off the face mask of uh I, for, I forget who it was it Brian Branch who was back in coverage it was one of their safeties um yeah, that just popped up straight into Ayuk's hands. Um, you know there was a there's a famous college play that ended a, a, a big time game. I forget where it was that that happened, and we've seen that happen in the NFL from time to time too. Um, that's a massive play because I, I thought Brock Purdy looked really bad uh, for, for the entire game throwing the football. He he made big plays. When, <laughs> You're kidding, when, right? No, I'm not. I I, I consistently, really? even in the second You're half, kidding. Scotty, wow. chill. In the second <laughs> half, the on particularly on the drive that really sold them, that got them the ten point lead. He overthrew four wide receivers and then scrambled on third and long to make a play. He made the play. I'm giving him credit for doing that. He gets it. But from throwing the football, Brock Purdy was not great yesterday. The, and the, the numbers back it up, too. I mean, he he made some big-time throws. The first quarter, he had one that he took a massive shot up the middle. He got drilled. But, I mean, he overthrew Ayuk by five yards. That was the biggest throw he made the entire game. And it was the only reason it was completed was because it bounced off a player's face mask. Purdy was a baller in the moments on third and long when he was scrambling and there was nothing there. The 50 yards he got on the ground, to me, is the biggest reason why San Francisco held on to that lead to win. McCaffrey is the reason that San Francisco was this good. McCaffrey yesterday was taking shot after shot and every mm -hmm. single time came up swinging. McCaffrey is the heartbeat of that team. No question. All right, San Francisco had to overcome how bad Purdy was playing in the first half. He he did not look good, Scotty. He didn't. Now, again, credit where it's due, because when the game was on the line and they needed to make plays, he made the plays, no question. But if we're talking about what he did with his arm, he wasn't great. He just wasn't. I thought Detroit's game plan defensively was brilliant in the first half. The run defense even, I mean, you can only slow down McCaffrey for so long. So credit to the way that they did. Yeah. But eventually, McCaffrey's going to wear you down. Some of the biggest passing plays of the game were Purdy dump-offs to McCaffrey when he scrambled up and got that 20, 20-something-yard 20 rece uh, reception in the first half to go down and answer the touchdown at the beginning. Like Those were the big plays that you saw. There was a couple of big-time throws, no question, but that offense, man, was running through McCaffrey. And if McCaffrey hadn't been the, the monster that he was, and it's not like he put up 180 yards on the ground here, but it's just the way he runs the football. When you think you have him dead to rights at the line of scrimmage and he just bounces off of guys, falls for five yards, continually putting them in good situations. When they asked Purdy to throw the ball down the stretch there, he was missing guys a lot. And yeah, he made some of the easy throws, no question, but he wasn't the reason, you know, to me, the biggest reason that San Francisco came back and won this game was the Lions gave it to him. The Lions gave San Francisco this game. And you can shake your head all you want, Scotty, but it's the absolute truth. And it's not because of Dan Campbell was too aggressive or, or was weird when the spots he picked and chose. That's what he's been doing all year. I had no problem with it. I was shocked they didn't go for it at the end of the first half when they had the ball on the four-yard line. I thought for sure that was Dan Campbell going to go for it. They get the points, which I actually kind of liked. You go up three scores at halftime knowing that San Francisco is getting the ball back at halftime. But even after San Francisco gets the ball, they march down the field on the opening drive and score. 
the Lions went right back down the field themselves. And they go for it on fourth and short, and Josh Reynolds just flats out drop it. The schemes were wide open. They were working constantly. There was two drops, one by Laporta on second and 10, one by Josh Reynolds again in the fourth quarter on third and 10, that were, again, both guys were open, and Jared Goff made good throws. Guys just didn't hold on to the fucking football. It's one thing if a team flat out beats you and they mark this unbelievable comeback. It's another thing when you don't execute a game plan and a scheme that was working. Credit to the defense and credit to the Niners for capitalizing on the mistakes. They get all the credit in the world for that, right? Because a lot of teams, yo, they're letting them back in this game. They're letting this back in this game, and they don't mount the comeback. San Francisco gets a ton of credit for doing that. But the game plan, the offense, everything was working for Detroit until they started getting those little mistakes left and right. I had no problem with going for it on fourth down. I thought the clock management stuff at the end of the game, the running play, then they had to burn the timeout and force them to use an onside kick. I mean, that was like mind-numbingly stupid because at the very least, you throw it three times. If it's not there, you need 10 anyway. You kick the field goal, you keep all three timeouts, and then there's a chance that you can stop San Francisco, get the ball back, and, and maybe something happens. The clock management was the biggest mistake that Dan Campbell made throughout this game for sure. Everything else, the Lions were the better team. I, I really, really do feel that way. And the players didn't execute. And ultimately, like that falls on the players. San Francisco is not going to apologize for it, right? If you fuck up, if you make mistakes, we're going to capitalize it and we're going to go back and come back and win this football game. And they get every ounce of credit for that. But to me, this is a blown choke job by the Detroit Lions. And I love the Lions. I love what they did here. But four drops on on crucial plays going forward on fourth downs. The the mesh route on the, the when they went for it on fourth down with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Jared God just missed it. In the mesh concept, your first two reads are the meshes. The underneath moving to the left was wide open. He'd missed it. And he got flush out of the pocket and he had to throw a, a, a lollipop up there to try to get the ball to somebody and it landed in no man's life. But the play worked. Like everything schematically worked. The execution and the little things, just catching fucking footballs or sticking with your first read. Jared Goff had the time. He would have had to sit in the pocket and taken a hit. But he had Jamison Williams wide open on that mesh route for an easy first down. And then we're talking about this game completely different because San Francisco gets the ball back. They mark it down. They score the touchdown. They go up 10. And that was at that point kind of felt like the end of the game. But to me, credit to the Niners for coming back. They they overcame a, a less than stellar Brock Purdy performance by leaning on the guys who are their core guys, which are Kittle, which are McCaffrey, which was Debo. And the defense, you know, they stepped up. They were better in the second half. But Brian, uh, uh, Brian, not Brian, Ben Johnson had whatever he wanted the, the entire game. And and the players didn't execute in the second half. And ultimately, that the drops thing is contagious. Those little mistakes, it's contagious. And the Lions, like, inexperience in these games, it showed. And the San Francisco, we just talked about, right, four and five years, they've been in the NFC Championship game. They were ready for it, and they took the opportunity, and they get all the credit in the world for that. But to me, this well, is not like all of it, low. though, is what you're saying. Because no, they, the Lions, they, they get well, they get all the credit. The for what, blew it. They, they get credit for what they did, which was capitalizing on a team that blew this game. Absolutely. All right. So I, I would say so I'm, I'm a little bit in between you guys, because I I think pretty played a pretty good game. Jared Goff, in my opinion, was probably the best quarterback this whole weekend, which was maybe besides Lamar, which had a whole different aspect. But like he had the most passing yards this weekend. Uh, only at 273, which is kind of wild for like all these quarterbacks in here. But yeah, yeah. Um, what did he have when he was pressured though? When they finally started blitzing, 
I don't have that. Do you? Yeah, it was like seventy yards. Yeah, I mean, that's um, not bad. No, I mean, I, I I think when you take all of this into account, check down golf. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, down. with Fuck your that. defense, the, some of the <laughs> what best. What are you plays... talking about, Scotty? Hold on, hold on, guys, because I think <laughs> let's compare then. Because checking down is exactly what Mahomes did, and everyone called him a genius yesterday. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so, but Purdy so does it, and he's an is, asshole. Is, no, I, I think all of these quarterbacks, the goal is not turning the ball over. The Purdy ended up turning the ball over, but I'll, I'll tell you, like, the Lions, the Lions turnovers, like, I'll, the way this game was going, right, and, and all of us were at the point in the season where probably everyone listening watched this full game. Right. And red zone and regular season, you're catching what you can. You see a big play. And it's so important not to forget how like single games go again with momentum. And that's been a big topic. But I think like David Montgomery was running the ball at will. Right. The line was getting push. And then, you know, Jameer Gibbs has the fumble. Um, that yeah. was a big moment in the game where, listen, we all know what Montgomery brings versus Gibbs. And you're going to have to give them both carries but this was a David Montgomery game and you knew it right away. He was having a day in the first half. He would, I mean, Scott, right? Like if I'm you, I'm probably thinking we're going to lock down the run. No problem. He's, he's actually making Fred Warner, like have to reach for him. Right. Yeah. Not, not in perfect. Yeah. Cause he was doing an incredible job and was running and that, with like his head down. And, and that, that was O-line the most was, impressive part of that team. Yeah. The O-line. Yeah. The O-line exactly. was in the second level before he knew it. Like it was, it was impressive. And the lions to like, even though they had everything, whatever they, they weren't able to get those plays going. And it's not even like to your point, I think the 49ers run blitzed very well in the second half. I thought some of the schemes that they came up with um, were great. And then they made it the opportune play uh, forcing the David Montgomery or the Jameer Gibbs fumble. Um, that was as big of a play as any in this game. Again, probably to, to Jeff's point, the, the bounce off the face mask guy you catch. I mean, that's, that was, you know, huge. But in terms of momentum, like that monk, the, the Gibbs fumble was massive. That was in the third quarter, like as things are getting going. And then it was like, okay, Detroit lost all the momentum. Can they get it back in time at the end of the fourth and really make this a game? And they could have. And I think they also failed a couple of times there. But, you know, what, what I think is that Purdy made the plays that he needed to, like you said, to win. Um, I think if, if these are all like, I'm not saying he's Mahomes. He's not. I'm just saying that, like, I feel that they're making similar decisions and he, he is not as good of a thrower of the ball. I do like his touch, but like he's got that touch pass, which is nice. And this, like, he's not like, you know, Josh Allen throwing to the second level. It's the same thing he's throwing as like a slant rat. Like it's just a beast of a throw where Purdy has, has a, like a good touch in the second level, I think. And I think he's good enough to win this team, this 49ers team, a Super Bowl. And I would actually say that about all four of these quarterbacks, right? So I think once you cross that threshold, now it's just like who wins, right? Like, yeah, he might not be um, get the MVP. I still think Lamar, when you even look at this weekend, the best quarterback who performed all weekend, like statistically, because you add in the running is Lamar, but um, it's more than that, right? And he had all his players fail too. And I don't mean to compare two games, we'll get into that one, but the lions had the same thing with Jared Goff. His players failed around him and he really tried to make a lot of the plays. Like to your point, he, he missed a few. Everyone does. Um, but you know, they, they had him throw the ball 41 times. And I think that's actually the most out of any quarterback this weekend. It was. And um, you know, that's, that's their game. Uh, but 
I thought the way this was going, Montgomery would be a bigger focus. It turned out to bite them in the ass. On defense, they've ne- they haven't been elite on the secondary. Like they've had some good players, but they've like look at the Lions' schedule and stuff. Like they they've given up passing yards the whole season. Yeah, um, one way or another. So it was more could the offense hang with San Francisco? And that third quarter, they couldn't. It's one quarter. If they shit, if they get one touchdown in that third quarter, one field, Jameer doesn't fumble that ball and they can run it in. Lions win this game. And that's what I think, Jeff, to your credit about hanging on and taking advantage. Like Scotty, I, I think it takes a really tough team to be able to come back from that. And you create those turnovers. Like that's the other thing. It wasn't a fumble where like, hey, quarterback's going back to pass and it slips out. Like it was punched out. Like there was some good plays there by the defense. And I think that's really tough coming from guys like Fred Warner, who in the first half, I'll say this, that was the worst for half. I've seen Fred Warner play a football. And maybe I haven't watched yeah. enough of your game, Scott. Bad tackle. But right, he was missing tackles. He was dr- being dragged. I was like, who, is- this is crazy. And he, was, the second half, he was not boom. ever in the right spot. Yeah. Very yeah. strange. And a lot so- of that, a lot of that had to do with what, Detroit's running scheme does right they they do such an amazing job of moving offensive linemen getting guys like Penny Sewell in space like when we talked with the Eagles with had what they would use with Kelsey getting him pulling and getting guys out in different areas the misdirection the pre-snap motion the stuff that they're able to do in their running game to keep guys off balance and guys like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw like they want to play downhill like they want to come after you they want to play aggressive and if you scheme it right and their first steps are wrong, they're out of position. They're scrambling to make plays, you know. Uh, I think everyone's seen so at this point has seen the video of Chase Young on the Jameer, the second Jameer, or yeah, Jameer Gibbs touchdown run in the first half, the third touchdown they had. I mean, Chase Young basically just gave up and was like walking during the play when he had a chance right next to Jameer Gibbs to bring him down. It was laughable. Um, like to me, this is, you know, I go back to the the between the Ravens game. The Packers game and now this game, this is three games where the Niners defense hasn't looked as stout as as it had throughout the majority of the regular season. And I don't know if that's something that teams have found in film to expose the the, the linebacking core, which, again, is is for most people's money, number one or number two linebacking room in all of football between Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Uh, to me, like not I'm not a huge analytics numbers guy, but like there are some things that are important and. If you look at EPA for Lions and essentially the plays that swung this game are all the mistakes that were self-imposed, right? The Jameer Gibbs fumble cost, according to EPA, they had a negative EPA of minus 5.5 points, right? Off of that one fumble alone. The decision and the drop by Josh Reynolds when he was wide open, that was minus 8.5 points, expected points added over the total of that game. Even if they settle and they decide not to go aggressive and they kick the field goal there, you know, that makes it back to a 17 point game. There's little things here, but I'm okay with the aggressiveness, especially when the scheme and the call and everything works out perfectly. And Josh Reynolds just fucking drops two footballs in huge moments of the game. Right. And again, the credit that San Francisco gets is for capitalizing on the mistakes. But if you just eliminate one or two of those mistakes that uh, Detroit makes in that second half in that third quarter, Detroit wins this football game. San if. Francisco, if, they didn't. Yes, they didn't. Scott, I'm. We're saying the same thing. All right. You, no, you're saying team, the Niners won because the Lions stunk. Yes, that's not I the mean, Niners won because the Niners played the Niners, great in the second half and the, the race Niners, to 17 point deficit. The Niners both can be true. true. The Niners played better in the second half, and if the Lions had continued to play the same football they were playing in the first half or just didn't make the simple mistakes that they made, 
it didn't matter how good San Francisco was going to play. They weren't going to win that football game. But when you get gifted the ball, like this is, this is the frustrating part for me, Scott, when Brock Purdy got knocked out of the game last year, in the NFC championship game, I said, hands up. The Eagles got fucking lucky on that because it would have been a completely different game. You're trying to argue that the Niners were just all worldly better than the Lions in the second half. And that is just not true. You got handed bounces and your team capitalized. They if, and, and look, think about, about that? that. Think about that game back against Baltimore when they got their ass kicked. Right. And they had no fight, no bounce back. They learned how to do that in that game. And it paid off in the NFC championship game. They get a ton of credit for that. But at the same time, I the way I view this game is the Lions blew it. The Lions had this game in their hands and they gave San Francisco the shot to get back into it because of how poorly they played in the second half. And San Francisco gets all of the credit for coming back and capitalizing on those mistakes. But if those mistakes aren't made, Detroit's probably playing in the Super Bowl right now. That doesn't take anything away. That still says the Niners are a really good football team. I've been the one all year saying I think they're the best team in the NFL. It just seems it just sounds a little like yeah, but it is. I think like, that's a, like, I think that's a, but like, so was again, I think to just point, so was the Eagles NFC championship last year. Yeah. It, very different because I think you guys get more credit because you actually played a team that threw the ball damn well. Uh, <laughs> they had a quarterback. I, I think that to, to this point, like the turnovers were huge. The bounce off the face mask and I catching it. Um, one of the luckiest, the luckiest play of the weekend. And like, I think that's a fair thing no. to say that like of the season. No, I, I don't know about what, the Lamar pass <laughs> to himself. But, that, but the difference See, but that is that play didn't matter skill. though. Like, oh. I also think that was more skill of like, he was running. Well, not that I didn't have skill, but like the guy deflect, it was all positive skill, right? Yeah. He throws the ball. It gets tipped up because of good defensive play. And then he runs up again, off an awesome offensive play where, that play has Brock Purdy has a not so great pass where it's overthrown. And then the defender has a way worse play where it hits him in the face. And then Ayuk has amazing catch to yeah. grab it and run. That was yeah. so good. The hand-eye coordination there and how he's falling forward and catches that is incredible. Again, it's just in right before that you have two bad plays versus Lamar. It was all good. And, and that's where it's, it's difficult because everyone wants to see, I think all the players play their best in the NFC championship or AFC championship. And it just doesn't happen. I think this is experience. And Scotty, what I would love to ask you is like, because you guys, right, you were on a tear last year with Purdy, and then you get to the championship game, and you just have injuries that overcome your team. And then this year you have the same run, and you get, but this year you get there. What does this say about like your own little dynasty run in the NFC side? Because to your point, like the Chiefs have wins like this all the time, and it's just part of, right? Mahomes just stacks these wins up in the playoffs. It's what he's doing. And now Purdy's done it, right? Um, but and and really, it's oh no, more Purdy didn't do it. This the Lions more... did it. Hold on, I'm, I'm I didn't say that. So let me finish my thought. So oh, sorry. The 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 but like what I'm saying is this is like early Patriots, right? It wasn't Brady winning the game like crazy. It was stat lines like this. So where do you think your team is compared? Like you have Purdy for you know his rookie deal. He was drafted, yeah. so well, that, that helps a lot. That's the huge part. Yep. So like you end up having this advantage here for another two years financially, maybe longer. Like I think it's only one. Think... I think you get three oh, years for, for his first yeah. seventh round. Seven. Pick. Okay. But yeah. So, so as this happens, like where do you think you guys fall? I guess in this dynasty thing, because the chiefs are obviously taken off, but like, 
when we had the Patriots dynasty, we had a lot of other great teams like, you know, Rogers yeah. NFC team didn't was the, I'd say the Rogers probably the guy who hurt yeah. the most from, you know, from Brady. Uh, but he didn't even make it that far, I guess. Well, Peyton too. Yeah. But yeah, I know what Peyton you mean. More. But so, um, sorry, give me some context though, for what you think of, of your, your Niners now that really the only meaningful loss that you guys have had in two years was a game when you had no quarterback. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Like it's super helpful that Brock's on a rookie deal. Um, cause then now you're able to go sprinkle money and uh, on pieces that can help fill the depth. And that's been one of the advantages of this team this year is the depth, uh, that we have at almost every position, uh, not all of them, but most every position. Um, but as far as dynasty don't mean shit. If you don't have any hardware, don't mean shit. Uh, and, and that's just a fact. Like, we could go to the Super Bowl five straight years. And if we come out 0 5, then doesn't mean the Bills. Uh, hail the shit. <laughs> See, I, I think of the Bills of a dynasty, like not a dynasty, but like a great team. They lost four Super Bowls in a row. They're still a great team in history. Like, but, uh, do you think that you guys are but getting But what's to the that context point? of every time they get they get brought up? It's the, oh, the 90, 90s Bills. Best to never it's not win. The, oh, fuck. The 90s Bills were so great, so immensely sure. better than anyone else. And, and that's how you start the story. No, it's ugh. don't want to be the 90s Bills where you lose four straight. Well, and that's so, the thing, right? And you, they lost to like there was Dallas. There was Washington at the end of their good yeah. run with Joe. Like uh, and then they had, uh, you know, the, your Niners, like with Mike Shanahan on the offense. Coincidentally. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a unique thing where it's like we're in the yeah. middle of like obviously another Brady and Mahomes, which we'll get to. But like I don't know, this whole aspect of the Niners to me is one of the most interesting storylines in a two year span in the NFL, along with the Eagles, yeah. probably. Yeah, and, and that's really it. Well, and I th I think when they come back, yeah, uh, but like you got to go win it. You got to go win it, and otherwise it doesn't matter. Um, to I think most people, including the players, um, that are, that are part of it. Yeah, um, I mean, if you and if you ask the guys on those on those Buffalo teams, you know, four straight Super Bowls and they didn't win one, you know, like they're I'm sure they're proud of what they did. But at the same time, it's not the same, you know, Barkley. I mean, all these greats who who in, in, in a bunch of different sports who were all timers who just never got to that, never got that ring. Right. I mean, that that matters to me. Shanahan is is kind of getting into that Andy Reid territory. Right. Like where Andy was in Philly. When Andy went to four straight NFC championship games, he got to one Super Bowl. Uh, he ended up going to five NFC championship games over his time as the head coach of the Eagles, right? And and only got to one Super Bowl. That, to me, is kind of this trajectory what we're seeing with Shanahan, which is that we're seeing how good of a coach he is, right? We, we know how fucking brilliant Kyle Shanahan is. We know his offense is is as a play caller, he's probably the best, at least in that conversation for the best in all of the NFL. He is just consistently that good. He's learned throughout the way. He was also young when he took over the job, right? And he's been around football his whole life and he'd been around a bunch of great coaches. He got to call plays in a Super Bowl. He's he's in multiple Super Bowls now. Um, he's been there. He's he's done that stuff, but it's the little things. And I I still think like between the Green Bay game, which I mean, they were damn close close to losing that game. And then this game, they were damn close to losing this one. Shanahan has that Andy Reid bug of like the big games haven't been the best Kyle Shanahan performances where this team hasn't shown out in the biggest games to, to really do it. And eventually, after a while, what happened? Andy Reid got over the hump, right? And it helped to have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that was a big 
reason why. But sometimes coaches just struggle like that. Sometimes you have to go through a lump where you can win a ton of games and have a ton of success and go to the playoffs every year and and go to NFC Championship games and AFC Championship games, make a couple Super Bowls, and you just don't have your A game, you know, in those moments until you like absolutely need it. I think what we've seen from Shanahan here is this is another opportunity for him. I mean, on paper, again, I mean, they opened up as a two and a half point favorite over Kansas City for a reason, because that team is really, really good. You know, we've I've I've been saying it all year that I still think they've been the best team in football all season. And to me, it's going to be what version do we see out of out of San Francisco? Do they come out and look like the team against Baltimore in the last two weeks, the last three games we've seen them with their starters? Or do they look like the team that was the juggernaut for the majority of the season? And, and ultimately, I think how prepared and how ready they are for that this game against Kansas City, which is going to be an absolute battle, is going to be like it, fair, unfair, whatever. It's going to be held against Kyle Shanahan. And I I, I love this run that, that, that San Fran's been on because I, I can appreciate what he's built and what John Lynch has done as a GM. But they also have a lot of money spread out here. And I looked up Purdy's contract. He's got two more years left after this year. So yeah. they 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 have a window with well, him. But I mean, if they win yeah, the Super Bowl also, this year, exactly. is it a, is it a Flacco him. situation too? In which yeah. case now it's like, how much money do you actually want to pay Brock Purdy? Exactly. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, what's crazy is like, I think this is the biggest game for a quarterback in the NFL since Jared Goff was in the Super Bowl. Of, in terms of like guys doubting a quarterback that's in the Super Bowl, and even probably not that because that was the year where he had that crazy game in Mexico, or should have been a Mexico, you know what I mean? That yeah. whole thing. So he already had some duels, but I've never seen a quarterback question this much that's in this limelight that deserves to be there, in my opinion. So like this is going to be a big game for Purdy, I think. And he, it's what's crazy is like this is his second year, he's going to the Super Bowl, like. Most Brady was the second year when he went to the Super Bowl, and everyone's like, This is the craziest run ever. And everyone's like, Well, Purdy's not Mahomes. It's like, yeah, yeah but he's really fucking good. Like, but he's <laughs> playing at that level. And and nobody's sitting here talking about the shit games that they've had in the past. So you know, say less, people. Actually, you know what? Keep it coming. Because you know what? Every time you, you people you get loud about Brock and, and how mediocre he is and how much you want to hate him because he's the last pick in the draft and he's playing really well, he plays his ass off particularly in the fourth quarter to lead teams. So fuck you all. Keep it coming. Let's go. Look, I, and Scotty, I don't blame you as a fan for, for, for backing your guy. I'm I, my stance on Purdy has been the same the entire time we've dealt with the Brock Purdy situation, which is that the reason people do not fully believe in Brock Purdy is because of the surrounding cast. We have not seen Brock Purdy play with another team. If you, if you dropped Brock Purdy in, in place of Trevor Lawrence on Jacksonville's right now, what does that team look like? And, and I guarantee you, we're not talking about Brock Purdy as a fucking MVP. That being said, people who think he stinks are also wrong. Yes, and you've both made of that those, clear. And both of those things can be true. He can be yeah. well, pretty damn good without being elite. But the thing is, is like we saw Jimmy G take a much less talented offense to the Super Bowl. Hurt and people could try to compare. Oh, who would you rather have, Purdy or Jimmy G? Uh, Jimmy G did it without Chris McCaffrey, with a rookie Debo, with no Brandon Ayuk, with Emmanuel Sanders as his number one wide receiver, and they still got to the Super Bowl. No Trent Williams, right? Purdy has as good of a surrounding cast as possible, and that's always been my argument. Which is not to say that he's not making the throws or he's not making big time plays. I've given him credit for all of those decisions. 
We also haven't seen Brock Purdy have to play in a game with, I mean, we've, we've seen it a couple of times, but he's gotten Chris McCaffrey for every single start he's ever had. You know, what a luxury to have as a young quarterback trying to figure it out. And none of that means that he's not going to be great. None of that means that he couldn't do it on his own. What it means is what we've seen from right now out of him is that he's had the perfect surrounding cast possible. And we don't know what he would look like elsewhere. That's not to say that he doesn't I don't want to find out. Has done. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe okay. you do. I mean, to no, me, it's I like, don't. <laughs> maybe. Hey, we've I all mean, been in QB searches so long that when you're winning, just take it. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of quarterbacks because, that on because paper are supposed to be the best. And because 50% there's, of them work out. So Because there's 30 other starting quarterbacks in this league that are not playing in the fucking game that he led this team to in the fourth quarter. That's it. That's math. And that's the MVP is one of them. So, yeah, suck on that. 21 plays, 170 yards for the Niners in the third quarter compared to the Lions, 11 plays and 47 yards in the second half. The Niners on offense, 39 total plays, 305 yards. I don't know what to tell you people. Like, I don't get why you're you're hating on. I'm not talking about you, Jeff, specifically. I'm saying, like, that cannot be, oh, mediocre game manager. He's not Trent Dilfer. Let's say that. Uh, Yeah. Okay. We, I think we're I'm all not on saying that page, he right? No, I'm, 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 I'm not saying, saying he's like, Mahomes or Brady. I think even the haters can say, like, you can hate on him. They're, they're, I think it's because he's being talked up to an MVP level, which is saying he's on a pedestal next to Mahomes and Lamar. And, and we haven't won to say I get it. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to say, no, he's not. I think that's fair. He's not you know even I mean? remotely close to those guys. He's not. Right. And, but he's I also think not. it's fair to say, you're right, he's I'm, just I'm, young and he's I'm not He's not the shittiest guy to play in a quarterback the shittiest quarterback to play in a Super Bowl in 25 years. He's not. But, but also, we can't. We also can't say that wins are quarterback stats. Wins are not quarterback stats. They are not. They are. They're not. No, they, people, they try to, people try to they attach them be. to them. Exactly. We're smart yes. enough here to know that wins are yes. not quarterback stats. They're saying, well, look, Brock, how many games has Brock Purdy played in the Super Bowl versus how many, Trent Dilfer played in the Super Bowl. Nick Foles played in the Super Bowl. None of those guys are all-time greats. They won Super Bowls. Hey, Good on them. Foles had a Six touchdown pass game too. So. Yeah, seven. He had a seven touchdown seven pass. Seven. Game. Oh, thank you. Oh, so if Brock only has three touchdowns, he's not as good as Nick Foles. No, that's Obviously, not what we're saying at all. Hasn't thrown yeah. seven. Yeah, it's it's Peyton and Nick Foles. Those are the two best quarterbacks in NFL history, along with Steve Van Buren in the fifties. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and 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 so the thing is here too is just like the narrative has built up because fans don't like to add context to it. They like to look at like, oh, well, they, this player won a Super Bowl count those rings versus this quarterback rings. It's it's the ultimate team sport. You're only as good as the people around you. We've talked about this all the time. It's the, it's the most important position in sports playing quarterback, and it's also the most dependent on everyone else around you. And in Brock Purdy, he has the most perfect situation that a young quarterback could have ever done, and he's capitalized on it, and good for him. He's going to make a ton of money. But if they don't win a Super Bowl this year or while they have him on a rookie contract and they pay him like a top five quarterback, it will fuck you up for the next decade. All right. Because you are not getting out from that. You do do not want to be in the situation where you're paying. I mean, Baltimore is a great example of it. Flacco had a great career. Flacco, in my opinion, was a better quarterback and did more with less than what we've seen from Purdy so far. Again, Purdy could end up being the next Tom Brady. I'm open to it. I'm not saying it's not possible. But what I'm saying is there will come a time when he doesn't have Debo and he doesn't have Ayuk and he doesn't have McCaffrey. And that is the time when it's like, all right, let's see what this guy looks like. Because if you're going just based off of the talent of the player, Purdy's not in that that top class. 
But you know what he is doing? He's winning football games and he's leading it. And he deserves credit for that. And I give him all the credit in the world for doing that. Kind I still like think he can this guy Montana way back in the day, huh? Yeah. Not the most talented, Only but he four. can fucking win. Only and won I, four I, Super Bowls. I, I still, I still think Detroit lost this game. And the beneficiary of that and the team that capitalized on the mistakes, they won and they deserve to be there because they capitalized on those moments. And congrats to the Niners. It's going to be a great Super Bowl with them in there. But my heart also breaks for Lions fans out there because hey, you, you I, wait I wanna... for so long to get to that point and you are crushing it. You look like such a significantly better team throughout that whole first half. And then to have that be the way that it ended, it's, yeah. it's, and it's all self-inflicted injuries. It's all like they all just shot themselves in the foot. The Jameer Gibbs confusion on the handoff, the dropped passes. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks for I, Detroit uh, fans. I meant to start off this way, but you hit me with the question uh, when, when we started this, uh, this segment, breaking down the game. But I, I wanted to just shout out Lions fans. Yeah. Uh, and, and that whole team, they're going to be good for a while. That is a quality football team, um, and, and that that fan base is is unbelievably rabid. And and the year that they put together, uh, I, I don't believe that's anywhere near close to the last that you'll see of that. Um, so kudos to them on on the fight. And uh, you know some some of these times, even Dan Campbell said in his uh, in his presser after um, after the game, it's like sometimes you got to get your heart ripped out, and that's where experience. Uh, uh, takes over and the Niners who had, I think it was something like uh, nine starters uh, who had had 76 games combined total. Yeah, of NFC so championship experience crazy compared to three uh, Lions players who've had, I think it was seven, seven. games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a great example too, right? It's a great example of knowing, like not knowing what you don't know. Right. Like Detroit when, because in the first half, that's a great example of that where it's like, we don't know any better. We're coming out. We're doing our thing. We're focused. We're going to come out. We're not nervous because like we, we didn't even think we were going to be here kind of thing. Right. And they are unbelievable. And then the second that that first drop hits, right. And then there's two and then there's three and then there's four and then there's the miscommunication. And oh my God, San Francisco's back in this game. Oh my God, San Francisco just tied it. Now they're in the lead. And all of that pressure just racks up just a little more and a little bit more. And they, and again, not knowing what it's like to be in that situation ultimately came back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. I'm fascinated moving forward for Detroit to know what their quarterback situation is. Right. Cause I mean, Jared Goff has been awesome. Everything about it from the day he was traded to Detroit, when everyone was like, Oh man, look at Detroit, just taking, taking Goff off the hands of the Rams and eating that contract. And they're going to draft somebody. And that's what we all thought. That's what every one of us thought. We did that on this podcast. It was like in our first year, we talked about that trade and I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm really impressed with what Jared Goff has done at the same time. I also think it's very possible that Jared Goff is not the long-term answer for Detroit. Um, I mean, he's, well, yeah, he's but, 30, and- 30 years old. I mean, he's he's got one more year left on his contract, I think. And then they got to figure out like, hey, are we going to extend him? How much long do we ride him? Is there an upgrade that can make our team even better? Um, or is that going to fuck up what they've built there and the culture exactly. that's well, been built in in Detroit? It's, it's fascinating. And that's the other, the other thing, too, is you don't know if you're going to have the guy who who crafted that innovative offense that led Jared Goff back to the point of relevance again. Yeah. Because we, I mean, Ben Johnson might be taking seems, one of these open two 
head he's coach. He's the heavy job, favorite so. to be the commander's next head coach. Yeah. So and so what does that mean coming back next year? Like you got to learn all of that again with the same guys that that uh a huge part of that is is the chemistry uh with the offensive core. I mean, your team, Jeff, is a great example yeah. of that this year. It's hard to it's so. hard to replace coordinators and and jump right back. But um I think the <laughs> roots that Dan Campbell's built and has grown in in that organization are deep enough that I think they'll be okay moving forward. Yeah, I, I would um, agree. But I, I don't know if they're going to be back in this position next year. The nice thing for them is they are young with a ton of talent and they they can afford if they choose to extend golf for like three years and then you get them for four years and that gets them to 34 and then maybe you move on. Um, mm. I mean, who would have thought that like Jared Goff could have three contracts in the NFL and, and be a starter that whole time. Um, take an NFC championship. I mean, do you know how rare it is uh, in NFL history to be a, a first round draft pick as a quarterback, get traded or moved on to a second team and then have success with that second team. It, it's in the oh, last, yeah. in the last 25 Yo, years, in the last 25 <laughs> well, years, well, in your happened. first contract to be traded to your point, yeah, or Scott, just oh, yeah. extended and trade at the end, like first contract and then moved on. Like in that contract, you're traded or, yeah, really. I mean, Goff, uh, just from your first team, if you just go yeah. off of players that were drafted by the first team, that then that team moves on for them and they go to another place and have success. There's three guys in the last 25 years. There's three guys. It's Ryan Tannehill, which again, you could, I mean, say what you will, but like guy led Tennessee to a one seed Playoff after, yeah. you know, I mean, he in Tennessee after playing in Miami, it's yeah. Baker this year. Right. Mm -hmm. After what happened, winning in Cleveland, getting the first playoff win in how many years. Right. And then now in Tampa Bay, getting another yeah. playoff win. And it's Jared Goff. And that's it. You know, I guess Kurt this, Warner, this, but yeah, old, I guess that's yeah. before the cutoff. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you still, could, you could Warner, you can throw one. in that, but he also wasn't a first round pick. So if, if we're going oh, off, sorry, of the, my yeah. bad, my bad. Going off the, of like, to your point, let alone all quarterbacks, this is yeah. a good stat for all quarterbacks, let alone first round picks. Yeah. I mean, you know, Vic had a nice run with the Eagles, but again, that's, that's, that's kind of, a, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very, very rare to be a, a guy who was on a play in one team that drafted him in the first round, kind of flame out and, and move on to another team and actually have success. And so staff, I mean, obviously Stafford did, but that was again, unique situation. He spent 10 years in Detroit and then wanted to trade and wanted to move out. And that was a part of it. Uh, it's, it's amazing, man, what Detroit's done and, and keeping golf at the level that he's been at is really cool. So. Smith too. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, yeah. guys have, guys have gone on and, and had relatively good success, but like when you flame out, right. When it's yeah, like, it's sustained, yeah. you know, like yeah. Tannehill flamed out of Miami, Baker flamed yeah. out in, in yeah. Cleveland, Jared Goff curious. flamed out in LA. And you know, that's kind of where you, you move on to the next one. Yeah. There are other guys who have for sure, but um, yeah. Anyway, he's, I he's just wanted Kirby. to shout out yeah. the lions <laughs> for sure. And it's, I know you're not feeling this way, Scotty, but I think for for the average football fan like who, who's tuning in, I, I think everyone I talked to was like, I don't really care much. You know, my team's out, whatever. But I would really love to see the Lions make the Super Bowl. And and they were that team, you know, they were the underdog story. And and it's this one thing. And I was explaining this, the whole crab uh, crabs in the barrel mentality. It's like a psychological principle that that we use in sports and pop culture all the time where you, you take somebody who's an underdog or a young upstart kid and they have a ton of success and everybody reveres them and loves them. And then once they start having too much success, you want to pull them back down. And it's this whole hmm. principle about Sounds like back, back where you'd be able to go and get, you know, crabs in like actual barrels. They would try to climb out and other crabs would pull them back in. Like one who was getting out, not to get themselves up, but just to simply pull them back down into the water. Um, 
And that's kind of what we do with a lot of these guys, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's cool to see what Detroit did this year, but I also think people wanted Detroit because we're, we're, people are sick. The average public, not me, not us, but the average sports fan is sick of Mahomes, is sick of the Niners, or sick of these teams that have been consistently good because you want something new. You want something that's exciting. You know, I'm sick of it. Yeah. This, that's Mahomes fair. Mahomes can suck now. I'm done. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I, when my team's going against Mahomes, I hate it, but every other time I just watch it wow, all. It's, it's I'm like, God, that dude's so fucking good, man. He's we'll so still say, and, and I know we're going to talk about him, and not to bring it up, but, like, I will still say, even after I, I go to, you know, I'm lucky I get to see some games and stuff, and, like, Mahomes is still the best football player I've ever seen live. Yeah. Period. It's, it wasn't, like, it was, like, him, Saquon, and, like, and then, like, Mah- Mariota at Oregon. That's it. Yeah. It's it's. It's special, man. So good. Yeah, it's special. Uh, But yeah, we will talk about the Chiefs. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hit everything on the Chiefs Ravens. uh, And then we'll get you guys on your way to the rest of the week. All right. Scotty, I'm happy for you. I just said that in the break, but I want to reiterate to everybody. All right. I, I take my job on this pod seriously, and I call it the way that I think I see it and what I see. Um. But none of that is none of what happened there was to say that I'm not happy for you, that the Niners aren't sick. I think I've been more positive about the Niners overall this year than you have, at least during games. That's just because I'm a fan of them. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, no, and I do think the Niners were one of the top two teams all year. So I I think they absolutely like I think it's a good thing in the Super Bowl because I think it's going to set up a really, really fun uh, Super Bowl. And they will be playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who um, (laughs) we'll, we'll say, I mean, like. You can't really say shock the world, but at the same time, it it did feel like everybody was on Baltimore. It felt like people really went into this game thinking that Baltimore, they they were too good defensively. The offense had been clicking. And this game in particular, uh, I said to you guys in the break, I don't toot my horn often, but I kind of nailed my preview of this game, which was I thought the physicality on the outside was going to force the wide receivers to be really, really quiet in this game. And that Chris Jones and and if Karloftis in particular, if those two guys could step up and really make Lamar feel uncomfortable, then Lamar was going to have to go to Superman mode. And that's exactly what Spags drew up. They were super physical on the outside. You know, Zay Flowers had the touchdown early after, you know, Chiefs come down flawless opening drive, 11 of 11 to start that game for Mahomes, which was the longest stretch of his career to start a game um, with straight completions. Uh, so he, he they came out firing on that opening drive. But then the defense to me, and this was the thing I thought would would be the biggest difference maker, was Kansas City's defense. If they showed up, they brought that, they matched that level of physicality, and they really, and the one thing we didn't touch on a lot in this game, because it hadn't really seemed like much of a factor all year for Baltimore, was the offensive line for Baltimore was not very good in this game. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, who is like their best offensive lineman, I mean, I uh, who's their, their center, the, the kid they got from Iowa a um, couple years ago? Lindenbaum, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, you know, Tyler Lindenbaum, he he's great, but Stanley's the, you know, he's the big ticket left tackle. And he was, I mean, George Kaloftis was eating his lunch Good when he God, lined up yeah. on the right Him side. And Amenahu. Yeah. Yeah. Amenahu coming out having a really big game. Chris Jones just throwing dudes around. Yeah. The, the the line of scrimmage was dominated uh really on both sides of the ball by by Kansas City. Um, and then you had Nick Bolton flying around making plays. Uh one of the guys we didn't talk about enough either, I felt like in that in the preview was uh Thornhill, 
the uh, or Tran- not Thornhill, Tranquil, the uh, safety for for Kansas City because he's really turned into like what Tyron Matthew used to be on that defense. Um, you know, he's he's super athletic. He can cover a lot of ground, but he comes up. He he makes tackles in the open field. Uh, and I just I found that that Kansas City defense, and I think the other thing we need to remember too is just Spags is so good when it comes to calling defenses and and drawing shit up in the postseason. Like he is as good of a defensive coordinator as exists. I mean, he is what he's two rings from the two the two Giants, and now he's got already has two. He might only have one with the Giants. I know he was the 07 coordinator. He might have been in St. Louis at that point uh, for the second one. Yeah, um, he was, I think. But then, you know, he's got the two with Kansas City now, too. And every and time it's with, with like he's made the most out of let's let's face it, not where they've spent the draft uh, mm-hmm. picks or or the free agent dollars. So he's made it work with less than stellar teams and has developed this group. Yeah, I mean, and the guys on the outside, Legereus Need, Trent McDuffie. I mean, those those are guys who Legereus needs, you know, they brought him in and he was he was fine but they've turned him into a top five cornerback in the NFL. You know, he really is that good. Yeah. Statistically, I think he's like the number one cornerback this year. McDuffie was a late first round pick. Same thing with Karloftis. And those two guys are out making plays left and right in this game. And and to me, the biggest thing was if the game turns into Lamar has to be Superman, Lamar's going to crumble in that moment because that's what he's done in every big game that's close, that he has to be the Superman. And there was a little bit of that MVP, Ewing theory huh? – you know, where he had to, he was forcing balls to Andrews early. But then you notice, I don't know if Mark Andrews re-aggravated the injury at some point, but he basically didn't play the entire second half. They went back to like, they took him out and likely was getting all the tight end reps there. Uh, and that they moved the ball a little bit better in the second half. But primarily, man, just the, the Chiefs defense, I thought, really set the tone. I thought they were the best single unit out of both both games, all four teams. I thought the Chiefs' defense was the biggest and 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 the best all weekend, um, in my opinion. And then, of course, you're just Mahomes, 17 points in the first half. They forced six punts and then a knee in the second half. And and the Ravens' defense came to play in the second half, but the offense just couldn't match it. So that's my overall thoughts. Uh, what did what did you guys see in this one? Yeah, a lot of the same, man. It, it was it was the the physicality from the the chiefs defense that that surprised me the most to shut them out basically in the, in the second half of that, that late field goal that the, the Ravens kicked was the only points they had in the entire second half. Um, That to me was the, the, was the biggest showing Um, that. And then, and then on the offensive side of the ball, Kelsey getting involved again, being able for them to find a way to beat what I thought was that he was going to get completely shut out of the game by Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Just take him out, eliminate him entirely, and make Mahomes beat you is what I said on uh, on Friday's podcast. Um, and they didn't have to do that. From the jump, Kelsey was like finding the space, getting open. He had 11 total catches. He was over 100 yards, and he had two touchdowns. Um, that I don't know how you beat that combination when you have that continuity with Mahomes and Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball combined with how well they've been able to run the ball this year. Um and then on defense, obviously, with what Spagnola has been able to do, that continuity is huge. Like the fact that like nobody's calling Spags to be like, "Hey, you want a head coaching job?" And it's like, "Nope, year after year, I'm good. I'm just gonna stay here and and do my thing with Andy Reid and develop these guys on defense." Um, to the point where we're finally talking about them all season long as a top three defense in the entire league, um, which is usually not the case. It's usually they come on late and all of a sudden they're the uh, they're they're the 
the force that uh, we see in the postseason. Eighty five bears all, all year long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that that was huge to me. Uh, that and then the the big play to me uh, in this one that stuck out, the Zay Flowers deep ball catch, yeah. where he goes up and taunts uh, Legarius Sneed. Football God's not too pleased with that one. He could move the the, the Ravens fifteen yards back, but Zay Flowers gets the ball two plays later and fumbles at the one. Forced by Legarius Sneed. So take that, says the football gods. So can we talk about that real quick? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, can we, we can. talk about uh, sorry. Um, can we talk about that real quick? Because there was a lot, and like Joe Burrow even chimed in on Twitter and a few other people chiming in being like, you know, taunting is so stupid in football, and like, why do we let the players taunt all this stuff? I'm fine with like a little bit of like flexing on them or like looking them in, like getting in their face, not like in their face, but like, you know, a little bit in their face. The reason it was taunting was because he shoved him to the ground. Like that was the reason. I didn't think that was the reason. Yeah. I thought it was because he stood over top of him. I I thought it was the the ball. ball. I thought specifically the, I think standing is fine. I think spinning the ball when the guy's on the ground and it hits his body, that's where it's like, you're, you're taunting the fuck out of him. Like, I don't know, guys, like you're talking to a guy who's teabagged people in Halo 3, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm up there with the best of them. I know what taunting looks like in any form. I just think that like a little bit's not bad to your point. I think the ball spinning and standing and put like all of it combined maybe was just like this. Clearly all of this combined, you are trying to taunt him. You had three separate physical actions that like, yeah. I think the first one's okay because you're getting him off of you. I think most no, people but- say that's fine. Because it wasn't getting him off, though. It wasn't getting him off. He was was up. He was up top. He was on over top of him, and then pushed him down to get himself up as he was trying to get up. It wasn't like Zay Flowers was underneath and he like pushed him and rolled him off to get out. I'll say this: I've I I feel like I've seen enough plays this year of guys who flexed it, flexed or like done that like look down thing a little bit, and they don't call it. I think the fact that there was physical contact between them is like that's the line. Because that's yeah. concrete enough that the refs can f- throw the flag, and maybe I it's not. It maybe the, the ball, the ball. <laughs> yeah. I think too, because that the part of it's also delay of game, right? Like the taunting and the delay of game thing kind of go hand in hand sometimes. But even still, like I don't know. I feel like I've seen guys spin the ball and stuff too. I don't. Maybe not spin. Maybe not, they just throw it down or whatever. But well, and that's the thing. Like after a first down, like that's yeah. the thing. If it's a touchdown, that's one thing. But like, dude, this is a random first down, and like. I know you're in, and this goes to the experience. Emotions are high. It's it's yeah. all of that. And Dude, like, and that's for, how you react. I, I get it. I understand it, it. I really do. Like I, I personally, in my opinion, I don't think this should be a penalty, but it is. So you got to right. You got to play by it. Like whatever that whole, that whole sequence though, like where, where like after he fumbles, he experience, he goes back to the bench and he's pissing and moaning. And he's whacking his helmet on the on the bench, and he, he cuts open his hand. Yeah. None of that body language on that Ravens sideline after that, even from Lamar, looked like they were in any of it at all. Like, yeah, Lamar I, slammed not, his not helmet. A, not with a, like five and a half minutes left after he yeah. threw the pick, which was a terrible yeah. pick, and we'll, we'll get to that part in a second. The triple coverage, but like yeah. him coming off the sideline there and throwing his helmet, like you could tell they were like everything was under their skin, and, and that's when like, Mahomes is like, "I got you." Yeah, gotcha. Well, and on top of that too, like Kelsey Mahomes, the the pregame stuff with Justin Tucker with the oh, kicking stand, <laughs> you know, like they, they're going Kel- to the line. Kelsey, go to Kelsey the line. Don't go so, and that's like probably the most underrated thing about Travis Kelsey. He is so good at goading guys into into getting he's, these kinds. He's going to get Trey Greenlaw kicked out of the Super Bowl. 
Guaranteed. I mean, there were two personal foul calls on the same drive that ultimately I think Kansas City punted on. I don't think they actually ended up scoring on that drive, but it was at the end of the first half. And there were two personal foul calls back to back. Yeah. That that oh, one, of Noy, because, one of them was yeah, Van Noy got in and went helmet to helmet with Kelsey after Kelsey's like Kelsey knows how to draw and get under those guys' skin. And I, that again is a, is the experience factor too of knowing how to get you know get guys riled up and uncomfortable. So I, and I'll say this because I, I haven't really even kind of given you guys my overall take on this one. Yeah, I'll I want to hear this. that. I think when we talked about the groups that played the best, I actually think the Ravens defense, again, it's limited, but it's you hold Mahomes to 17 points in the playoffs. I yeah. think you're doing everything you can to win. And here's the thing we talk about, Oh, Ravens only had three points in the second half. Well, Kansas city had zero, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas city had zero points in that second half. So they did everything they could to shut out whatever was going on with, I mean, Kelsey and Mahomes connection. You can't stop it. hundred yards two times. I told, and I hate like, I forget who said it earlier on, but like, you can't, you know, no one in this business is going to like pump up your shit. Like we always try to, you know, make sure we call out what we do well and what we don't. But like, I told everybody this, all the listeners, like this is Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. I know he hasn't been great this year, but watch out for him. This is exactly what he does. And he's gone off and he went off again and he's going to go off again next week or in two weeks. But the craziest thing about this game, I think is that Baltimore's defense did whatever they could. They played so well against a guy who can throw from any angle to any angle. He's just amazing. They held a magician at zero points in the second half where like, I just didn't think that would be possible. Their offense, the Zay Flowers fumble, you know, all this stuff, even Lamar's pick, it was so late and they were rushing, right? They're trying too hard. They didn't need to. That was a, again, lack of experience, but I believe that the Ravens just had plays where they gave it up. The Zay Flowers diving. I mean, it's incredible defensive play to punch that ball out. Valadarius Sneed. But just hold on to that ball. Even if you're down the one, you know Lamar is going to score. Like, they broke fundamentals. They stopped cover. They're trying too hard. And, I, like, it, it showed. And they made mistakes because of it. Their defense, you know, they had more, way more yards per play than the Chiefs. They had 5.9 compared to the Chiefs 4.4. The Chiefs in general like in the second half couldn't like they moved the ball, but again, they couldn't score to your point. Like even when they get in, in range, they backed up. And the last thing I'll say, I don't think the refs were egregious in either like the first game for sure. But this, or the, this is the first game, I guess the second game, you know, the NFC championship I thought was clean. This one, what I thought was ridiculous. The only call I thought of, like, I have never seen that before in my life was when the Ravens jumped off sides. It looked like late probably just to get a first down and conserve clock. And it was actually a really good decision. And they yeah. called unnecessary roughness. And I was like, hold up. I've seen a defensive back sprinting, like Troy Polamalu style, jump over and hit the quarterback. And they will call offsides. Offsides, yeah. Like, I've never seen an un- – like, I've never seen that called. The 15 yeah. yards didn't end up mattering. Like, really, they still have to stop them, and they didn't. But, like – they got the ball 15 yards back further, right? Like there's the only just, difference. It was so weird. I think the difference. And I think the reason it was called, cause I, first of all, I agree with you. It was a brilliant play. It was a brilliant yeah. play yeah. because at first and five, that guy's played Madden. Yes. A hundred percent. At first, it, I, I was just going to say the same thing. It's like, if you've played Madden at all over the last 20 years, <laughs> like you've been in a situation where you've done this first and five, you do that. The refs knew that it, I think that was the difference. It was a personal foul because they knew it was intentionally manipulating, not that they were trying to like 
stop the clock. Plus, he also rocked oh. the rocked the shit so, out of that. that I car. think there was helmet to helmet contact a little bit. So I yeah, so, so, we we can initiate intent into these play uh, penalty calls. Interesting. Hmm. No, Imagine I just that. I think it's I think it's a gray area because it's a very like. <laughs> Either way, whether he was trying to get offsides or there was helmet to helmet, whatever the justification for it was, I do think that that was like the ref because the ref was pissed. Like, did you see his face like at making the call? Like you could tell he was like, come on, dude. Like, but that's a really heady, smart play by Roquan Smith to do I think that. That's their thing, too, is like if they would have gone up and just touched him, I think the rest would have been fine with it. I think him yeah. like running and blowing it up again. I've just seen that happen. And maybe they were thinking like, you're just taking out your anger on this guy. That's not. That's unnecessary, unnecessarily rough. That's the yeah. penalty, right? Yeah. And I, I understand from that standpoint, just never seen it called before, thought it was interesting. Yeah, unique. I loved it. But again, yeah. The, when, the, how about two Baltimore after that? Team, I would take Lamar. Yeah, the only, sorry, the last thing. I'll no, no, I want you like, to keep going. I would take Lamar. If you could give me, I mean, Mahomes is obviously like the number one guy out of this group of all four quarterbacks. But if you had to say like, what team? What, if you could build a team around one guy, I'm I'm taking Lamar. His running ability is insane. I I just think that like yeah, Mahomes is the obvious number one. Like, and why I say that is because I have a franchise in Madden, and I did a fantasy draft, and I drafted Lamar, and I think mm-hmm. he's just the most unique guy, um, in the NFL. I love him. I think his players let him down more than he couldn't lead this team mm-hmm. to a victory. Like, I think the Zay Flowers fumble. You're on the one. Yes, he had the bad pick, but I think you're allowed one turnover in a big game where your defense is playing this well. If his the rest of his cast didn't have as many mistakes, they win. I think this is similar to the Lions in terms of them falling apart in the second half. Like they yeah. could have won this game, and they did not. I, see, I think Lamar deserves a lot more blame. I and and the reasoning is is the interception was horrible. That that's like one of the worst. That's like it was worst. the worst pick maybe in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. that's Triple like a coverage, Dak. and it I mean, was no, also Dak, underthrown to the left. The two Dak, <laughs> the Dak. Dak pick sixes. Yeah, I mean, those ones, those ones, or at least one was a pick six. Yeah, the, 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 the Dak picks are, are worse. But this one is at, almost as bad, if not as bad, as the Dak ones. I mean, that, that was throwing into – it was double coverage, and you had the safety help over the top likely put his hand up like he was open somehow, which, I mean, he should yeah. not have done that. Well, also, um, they showed that, that replay. Yeah, I, that was wild. But Lamar, over. Lamar, Lamar doesn't have to throw that. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is that's what Lamar does when in in close games when he has to throw the ball and like what's the one thing that we've always knocked Lamar about, right? It's it's his ability to read defenses and work through his progressions. And this year, because the defense had been so good and they were able to run the ball consistently, like I think Todd Munkin deserves some blame, a big part of blame here. They had. Eight designed running plays on uh, in, in the entire game, eight running plays to running backs. Uh, and actually, I think one or two of them were swing passes to Zay Flowers. So like, they, they barely ran the football. They ran the ball three times on first or second down in the entire game. So already you're you're basically playing into what Kansas City wants you to do, which is make Lamar be the superhero. But Lamar had multiple bad sacks. Um, yes, the fumble where he, where, uh, was it Karloftis or a who somebody yeah, beat the edge, a yeah. came up and stripped this, stripped him out of the back. Not to say that like Lamar, like, that's Lamar's fault, but like, also you can't hold on to the ball that long. I thought he was patting the ball, sitting in the pocket way too long. He took a really bad sack on third and four when he scrambled out to the right. And like, look, he's looking downfield. He's trying to push the ball downfield. I get it. But those are the moments where we're like, dude, you're Lamar Jackson. 
go scramble for five yards. Like it's in front of you. You got to beat one dude one-on-one who's a linebacker. You're going to get the first down, keep the drive going, right? Taking what the defense is giving you. If it's not there, go get your first down. Like Lamar wasn't doing any of that stuff. And I think part of that was because he was trying to get it all back in one play. And then yes, the one drive where I felt like he finally looked settled in was the one that they connect on the deep ball, but every deep ball that he threw outside of the one to Zay Flowers was overthrown and basically uncatchable. And then the Zay Flowers one was actually underthrown and he had to kind of zigzag and almost gets his way down. And we know how that drive ends up, ends up going. I thought Lamar played pretty, pretty poorly. Um, And shout out. I'm curious here too, because, and, and maybe this is something we can talk about too, as, as we get into draft stuff over the next couple of months, but big cat said this on part of my take today. And I think it's a really fascinating point, which is that is this, kind of like what this game was between Mahomes and Lamar, like watching those those two guys, is that kind of what the Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields debate is in terms of what Chicago is looking at, right? Because Justin Fields can do so many things that basically no one else in the league can do with his legs and the athlete that he is and how freakish he is. But then you have a guy like Caleb Williams who can make every single throw, who has the upside to be on the level of a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Would you rather have the guy who can do all those throws and and do it with his legs too, but he's going to be the throwing main like arm talent kind of guy or the guy who is like, he's a freak athlete. He's going to run and pick up a bunch of first downs. I, I don't know if it's a perfect, you know, question or a perfect example of it, but it's an interesting proposition to kind of think, yeah, this is kind of like that debate, which is like, if you get the most out of Justin Fields, he turns into a guy like Lamar. If you get the most out of Caleb Williams, he turns into more like Patrick Mahomes. And which of those, you know, do you want? There's a case to be made for both of them for sure. I would just say, why don't they take both and just figure out which, like, (laughs) run a two quarterback offense in Lamar's year in the contract and see what happens. Just have Justin Fields be like running back slash quarterback. Have him be Taysom Field. Yeah. (laughs) Just have both Caleb Williams and and, uh, Justin Fields in the backfield standing next to each other, splitting the center and the center snaps it to one or the other every single time. play. With Caleb to the like to the right, yeah. and Lamar run to the left with Let's one. Get fucking freaky with it. Make oh, make the I Sam make a choice. Make the Sam linebacker make a choice. That would be disgusting <laughs> to put that All Star team out there. That's that's something that like if you could back when you used to be able to like draw up plays in Madden, you know, like you oh, could you go said, in yeah, and like yeah, design yeah. design plays oh, to yeah. do that. Like try to come up with the craziest shit that you could. Um, yeah, that, that would be fun. Not going to happen, but, um, I look, I love Lamar. I really do. I, I was pulling for the Ravens. I have a couple buddies down here who are Ravens fans. Like I wanted to see them, you know, kind of punch their way through. I am with you, Vito. I thought the second half Baltimore's defense was outrageous. Five straight punts. And then the knee, that is how the second half went. The longest drive for Kansas city in the second half was eight plays. Um, and one of that was because of a holding call that, that brought them back to third and 15, but this is why, you know, what what Kansas City and what they do and, and the, that no other team is built this way, which is you think you have them dead to rights. You've stopped them the whole time. Baltimore goes, they get the field goal. They're back in this game. They have a chance. Third and nine. Of course, you're going to run the football here, even after Roquan Smith does the super heady play and they get third and nine. They're going to run it. Baltimore is going to get the ball back. No. Kansas City runs play action, drops back. And who does Mahomes hit? Marquez Valdez Scantling, the same guy that in the biggest moment in that game against Philly earlier in the year on a deep ball to potentially win the game for Kansas City, dropped the football. Mahomes deserves a ton of credit for the way that he's trusted his receivers and just 
has not thrown them under the bus publicly, has continued to give them opportunities to shine because now in the biggest moments, we get vintage Kelsey, who I don't know if he was rope-a-doping or saving his body for the playoffs because he knows he's getting up there, but Travis Kelsey was incredible yesterday. So I don't know if it's that or if it's or, or, it and whatever, but like to have what feels like vintage Kelsey after the first the three games that we've seen him play in the playoffs here with Kansas City this year, Versus and now now you're getting Rasheed Rice, who looks like a legit number one wide receiver, at least in the Kansas City offense. MVS is making plays and Kadarius Tony's on Instagram live during the game saying that I'm not hurt. Kansas City just doesn't want me to play. Did you guys see that? No. Oh, oh yeah. Kadarius Tony was on <laughs> IG saying, like, I'm not hurt. They just don't want me to play. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the point. Like they're they're trying to protect you. So instead of making you a healthy scratch, they're <laughs> They're, they're, they're saying you're hurt, so you don't have to go out there and fuck Jesus. up more shit for them this year. Read the room. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> not clearly not a team guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's just only the Chiefs on third and nine with the game on the line to ice it. Would Mahomes fake the handoff, play action, drop back, fade away, put a perfect little lob up over the top of the defense right into the bucket for MVS, a guy who has struggled all year. Uh that's just what the chiefs do, man. And at some point, like it is full blown prime Patriots feeling. Cause that's the same shit that used to happen in, in Patriots games. They're just like the fucking Patriots just found that one play in that one moment. And it fucking worked again. And, and that's what Kansas city does, man. And it's, it is so fun to watch. It really is like, just as a football fan, it, it's incredible watching what Mahomes does. Uh, and they're going to have a really tough task ahead of them with San Francisco, but I think that's just going to set up for a really, really fun game. I hope I they'll get the flu. Uh, on the flip side for the Ravens, you, you know what I think they need to do to your point? I think they need to go get Derrick Henry, and I think they need to say we are going to be the best running attack in NFL history, and that's our identity, and that's how we're going to go to the Super Bowl, and we're not going to play him until – we're gonna we're gonna like load carry like Derrick Henry like an aging NBA player and he's gonna <laughs> load play, management. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And then like you know he's gonna have maybe five carries every other game. And then in November or in December we're gonna kid him up. And then for the playoffs he's gonna be what Kelsey's doing, right? I think a lot of that's what's gonna happen here in the NFL when you have teams that are like this good. And towards the end they can kind of just say, all right, I need to get ready for when it matters. And yeah. And they know yeah. they, they have a chance. And I think when you have a guy that can run downhill like Derrick Henry, he's not what he was, I get it, but he's still great. There's still so much talent. But they, to your point, they didn't even run the ball with us. Like, they didn't run it with anybody but that's, else. And that was the it, thing. It was like, so crazy. And, and I, I, I was they failed their identity. Uh, for, well, first of all, credit to the, the Chiefs defensive line. Shut down the run early, um, at least the traditional running game. But I was shocked, especially when Andrews was out there, how little – they had two tight ends on the field at the same time. Like the fact that they weren't running more 12 and really with Lamar, it's de facto 22 uh, with his running ability. If you only have one uh, running back back there, I, I was shocked that they didn't have likely and, and, and Mark Andrews on the field at the same time more often, because I mean, that, that wrinkle alone forces one of those guys uh, in the, in the second level, probably a safety to drop in and help out in the box. And it's like, well, there you go. Now one of them is going to run a chip block and run over the middle. And we got that every time, six, seven, eight yards plus whatever they get after the catch. And or you can, and then you can run the the read option off of it like they they usually do uh, with Lamar. So I, I just don't understand why they 
they were like, nope, this is, we have to run the ball down their throat and then um, we'll let Lamar uh, do his thing throwing the ball like they did all year long. I get that. But like when you get a guy like Mark Andrews back personnel wise, that has to be an adjustment you make, especially like, you know, if he's not a hundred percent, just him being on the field makes that much of a difference. It's interesting. I'm trying to find it now, but I, I think it was like October, November. I tweeted Derrick Henry is going to be so sick on the Baltimore Ravens next year. <laughs> I've been I've been saying that for a minute, dude. Yeah, because they're gonna. That's my that's my Madden team. I have Lamar and Derrick Henry, and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I uh, I would love that, man. I, I I would. I don't I don't know where they go from here, man. I mean, look, uh, like I said, Todd Munkin did not have a great day, and and ultimately, you have the number one running attack in football. You have to you have to give like you have to stick with what got you there. And I know that Kansas city's defense was playing out, but they didn't even give the running game a chance. Every time they did hand off the ball, like it seemed like it was working, you know, like it, they just put so much on the plate of Lamar and for as good as Lamar is, and he is incredible. Lamar is not the guy that you want, like holding the ball in the pocket and throwing the ball 37 times. Right. I mean, how many times this year did we talk about, man, Lamar threw went, you know, 17 of 24 for 190 yards and two touchdowns, no picks, but they ran the ball for a buck 80, you know, like that, that was their bread and butter. And then they went out and played good defense. And then they went completely away from that. Now on the other side too, like, yeah, the chiefs weren't great in the second half, but Mahomes still had a damn good day. You know, I mean, if, and, and if Mahomes isn't making mistakes, and the guys like Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, I mean, all you really need is Kelsey and one wide receiver to have a good day. That's pretty much all you need out of the back, out of the receivers for Kansas City. Um, I just, I, it's impossible to bet against bet against this guy as as an underdog. It's just yeah. it, he's it, he is so fucking good. I want to also. Uh, go I'm going to bet against him as an underdog. I know you are. Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to go on the record. I just want this on record somewhere saying that Kyle Hamilton's a Hall of Famer. Dude, uh, he's so he's fucking done. Good. It's done. Like, I, in my he's mind, so no, it's because he's a gladiator. That's the best compare. Like, this guy, he will might get beat, but he will get up and just keep competing his ass off. And he is, with that talent and that drive, um, you can tell he knows the game well. Like, this dude is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, can't wait to see him in Canton. Legitimately like one of the easiest like guys I've seen play and be like, yep, he's got it. That's it. Yeah. 11, that guy. I know 11 (laughs) tackles, nine solo tackles. I mean, we, we did on this pod. Like I, I was, we were on zoom together when the Eagles had draft traded up and drafted Jordan Davis. I wanted Kyle Hamilton. So fucking Mm -hmm. bad. He was my favorite player in that class in that entire draft. And he is an absolute freak. I, love Kyle Hamilton and he's perfect. He's perfect for that scheme. He's perfect for Baltimore. And I'd like Jordan Davis, but I was right for wanting Kyle Hamilton over Jordan Davis. I, even though it's only been two years, I, I feel vindicated for that, for that take because Kyle Hamilton is an absolute difference maker. And he's the exact thing that the Eagles are missing defensively. He's that exact piece that would be so perfect to be on this Eagles defense right now where you can get other big guys. Since Jordan Davis hasn't really, I mean, he's Jordan Davis has been good. He needs to get in better shape, but yeah, Kyle Hamilton, man. I just, every, everywhere you look 14s there, 
everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. And people thought he was too slow because he ran a 4-6 at the combine. And it's like, dude, did you watch the interception he had against Clemson when he swiveled his hips and ran 40 yards across the field while the ball, the quarterback was in his drop back. It was one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget that interception, Clemson against Notre Dame, and him picking off DJ Uyunglele and being like, that dude, he's unreal. He had a tackle in this game where he was on the opposite side. I think the Greg Olson even called it out. And then they went to a replay a bunch, which was great. Cause Roma. it was like, yeah, he was a row. Yeah. On this one. Sorry. Uh, so he was, he was the opposite side safety ran all the way and got a, a check down that was in the flat and tackled him for like a two yard gain. And it was just like, or three yard gain. It was like, how did he make that? That guy was nowhere. And he yeah. comes out of nowhere and makes the read across the field, a right away check down in the flat. Like the, it's crazy. The anticipation, the game speed, the acceleration. Yeah, he's he's all of him. Um, speaking of uh, Tony Romo, there can we all are we all in agreement here? Can just as a country, can we all agree? Tony Romo's fucking terrible in the booth. I I very seldomly go after play by play or color commentators because I've I've worked with a ton of them. I know how hard it is. But dude, like I hate he, Bill Sims. He yeah well yeah I mean he he's an upgrade over Phil Sims but like the first year with Romo when he was like calling plays out and stuff and everyone thought oh it's so cool we've never oh, seen anyone Jim. do this before dude the the I don't know Jim's the he's it's like he thinks it's a bit now that he calls Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey's wife and it's like no dude that wasn't it was weird the first time you said it and now you just keep saying it every single Chiefs game that you call and it's we- getting progressively weirder every time you do it. He called game over after the interception, the Lamar interception, which is like broadcasting 101. You don't do that because there are going to be yeah. average fans who turn off the broadcast. Like you don't do that. You 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 say, oh, well, here's how they can get back in this game. He he messed up multiple calls along the whole time. He messes up numbers all the time. Tony yeah, Romo's yeah. just flat out fucking bad at it. And on top of it, too, I mean, I don't even care. I liked him his first year. I thought it was fun the watching grow up. Yeah. So it's not oh, even it like great, the former man. cowboy thing. It's no. just, I think he is god awful. And then you have someone like Greg Olson, who I think is the best color commentator we have right now. He's, he's going to get devoted, and yeah, and he's going to get bumped off the A team because they because Brady's coming in to do it next year. Which don't get me wrong, it'll be fun having Tom Brady yeah, call. Brady games. should take Romo's spot. To your point, yeah, like yeah, let's, or let's, or oh, Nance and Brady, oh baby, or just <laughs> Nance and Greg Olson. I mean, I like Burkhart and Olson. Yeah. Like, I don't want to break up that tandem, but right. Um, but also, I, I did hear on on part of my take today that there's some rumblings that maybe this is Nance's last year because CBS does have the Super Bowl. Yes, that's true. So, and he, he he stepped back from the tournament last year. Yeah, that maybe, was a bummer. And I think he just maybe wants to just do golf moving forward. I don't know. Just I mean, Masters. Who, honestly, he he should do the Masters until like he wants to never speak again. But like yeah. that's that's his thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred. Golf is always his his bread and butter. If he can do the majors, I will say though, I love SVP on the broadcast and then in the yeah. Masters. The first two days, really I, nice, yeah. I love Scott Van Pelt on golf broadcasting, especially because he's never done play by play. It's just he's. I just love Scott Van Pelt so much. Is there anyone in media in sports media who has a higher approval rating than Scott Van Pelt? There can't be. There can't I don't, be. I don't think there can be either. I mean, you could say like Nance, maybe, but like, Kay I don't Adams. know. Okay. Well, okay. That's for a whole for other set of reasons. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's different reasons, <laughs> but 
you know, there's always going to be the misogynists too, who are like, well, girls don't, can't talk no, about you're football, right. no, you know? Real. So yeah, like she it, can't it, have the highest pr- approval rating. I guess it depends on what, what the, what you're uh, rating there, but I don't know. I just, SVP is the best. Dude. I fucking great. love SVP. He's, he's unbelievable. I don't think there's anyone else, man. I don't think like Tariko, maybe, but Buck and Aikman still get their shit. Collinsworth gets a ton of shit. I like Colin. I, I like Collinsworth and, Mike go. Breen, maybe NBA. That's that was my thought initially when you bang, brought that up. Bang. I From do downtown. love. I love. I love. Uh, I love Mike Breen. Well, anyway, Kansas City's back in the Super Bowl. What else is new? This is this is what we. Anyway, this is our life. Here's Wonderwall. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> that's that's basically what it feels like with Kansas City, just year after year, man, pumping their way that's into the a, Super Bowl, dude. Anyway, just, Chiefs are in the NFL. Super Bowl. Yeah, anyway, here's, here's Wonderwall. Wonderwall. Uh, but yeah, man, I uh, I don't know. Like, it is weird. I get why people aren't excited about the Super Bowl. I do. Like, just from a casual sports fan, cash cap. But this happens almost every year. There's always a crowd of people who are like, "Oh, the Super Bowl is gonna suck," or "Oh, this season sucked." And and look, I I saw somebody tweet this last week, and I'd be curious to get y'all's thoughts on it because I didn't bring it up on the pod. But he said this. It was like a, a blue check mark, like an actual like reporter too. And he was like, this has to be the worst NFL season that I can remember. And I was what? like, and I, thought, a poor take. <laughs> and I thought about it. And the more I kind of thought about it, I was like, look, if, if you're looking at it from the whole league, there is a case. There's been, what, what was the final number? 40-something backups who played the quarterback injuries. Yeah. It really kind of felt like a two-team race. And then Kansas City, we knew, was hanging around. Phillies collapse at the end, eliminated another really good team there. Everyone knew Dallas was going to flame out the way that they did. Buffalo was kind of the one story, but then with how much they struggled at the beginning of the year, it wasn't really until week 18 that we were like, damn, Buffalo might make a run to the fucking Super Bowl. I would argue that the Lions story and the CJ Strouds and, you know, like the, 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 even the Ravens for like how dominant they were on defense, all of that like outweighs way outweighs any of like the, the other crap on the other side of the scale. Yeah. My, my argument to that guy's tweet too, was like, dude, like literally three years ago, there were no fans. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I the COVID year, the COVID That's year when a running back started for the Denver Broncos, uh, that, <laughs> Who I had worse was times. It, wasn't it Philip Lindsay was the starting quarter was like listed as the starting quarterback, but then yeah. um there was the practice Kendall Kendall, uh, Kendall Hinton. Yes, Kendall Hinton. Yeah. He's yeah. college quarterback who uh turned wide receiver. Two passes. Yeah. Like we had that in the last th- four, four or five years. Like, let's not pretend like this year was that bad. And there were some fun stories. It was story really lines. good. I thought this was a great year. To your point, like, the backup quarterback thing is a problem. They need to solve it. I do think the NFL needs to add another bye week. I think there's things that they need to figure out with the 17-game schedule. Yeah. But I also think that, like, we're on a path here where the NFL, we're talking about, like, you know, again, we're a couple years into the 17-game schedule. Like, things are a little different. We're going to Europe more than ever. Like yeah. this whole NFL thing is morphing and becoming big teams are selling for billions more than they ever have. Like this is insane. Yeah. I, I think like we, I don't know. It's talked about a lot, but I really do think that like this is, we're about to see the NFL changed into something like that's going to be crazy. Awesome. I, I really do think that I think we even like, I bet you they are pushing for like, the UFL to even succeed 
in other ways of being like a secondary league and all like of this stuff. Like I, yeah. Yeah. Like, like seriously, I think this is a, a big deal for having depth of players, um, more players on teams, bigger rosters with injuries. It's just, this whole thing is going to morph and the NCAA is morphed the most and sorry to get up on like, not a soapbox, but like expand on this, but like the NCAA has changed so much in the last three years, more yeah. than any other three year span, probably in its history. And now, um, you know, the NFL, like it's changed a little bit, but I think it's going to continue to change. And again, I think this like era in football is something unique with the Kansas city chiefs dynasty and with what the Niners have done in the last two years. And like, I, I don't know, it's, this is going to be wild that the chiefs like, you know, beat the Eagles. If they beat the, the Niners in back-to-back seasons, Mahomes is putting himself in a class of like, yeah, he owned the NFL in a couple of years, you know, over yeah. a stint. And it just happened so soon after Brady. I don't think anyone would have seen that coming. This is just a crazy era in the NFL. And I wouldn't be surprised if more stuff changes with rules and all of this, but what a great year it's been. I don't think, I think this, in my opinion is like in the top 20% of NFL seasons I've seen. That's my take. I think it's just an exciting time, you know, as a whole. Um, and, and just football is just constantly growing. And, and the thing is, is it's so big. Anything that's that big, is going to take a long time to change, right? It's like it's like turning a cruise ship. Like, you know, it's just it's going to take a long time to try to be able to move this thing because it's so big. Um, so yeah, I I think you're right. I I am curious, you know, ten years from now, what what the NFL looks like, right? Or is is there a possibility for another expansion team? Is, is there a possibility that we see more teams changing cities, changing locations, adding a team? I don't know if there's enough talent in the league to add an expansion team. Whereas like you look at the NBA and it's like, there's so much talent in the NBA. They're going to add Seattle and Las Vegas at some point in the next few years. They're like, that's the worst kept secret. And NBA circles is like, that's going to happen at some point. So I think hockey's the same way too, Jeff though. And hockey's so much talent in the league that like, yeah. And they've had, you know, they had the Knights and then they added the, um, the Kraken Kraken too. Right. So we're seeing some of that. And, but I, I am fascinated to know what the next, you know, 10 years of the NFL ends up looking like. And, I think from an on the field product this year, I, I don't think it was the best product. You know, I think scoring was down a little bit and and not necessarily from great defensive play, but I think because we had so many backup quarterbacks, so many injuries um, and now we're kind of ended up. And I think the biggest reason people are feeling that way is it's like, well, now look at the Super Bowl. It's like same, you know, it's the chiefs and then another team that's been at the top here for the last you know few years. Right. And, <laughs> and the one thing about football is parody is always eminent, right? Like that's, that's the best part about the NFL is there's always, always going to have parody at, at some point in time. Um, but you were saying something there, Vito, that actually sparked a question in my head because I saw a lot of comments and stuff like this on social media when the chiefs were, you know, went on to win and think about the era that Brady played in, right. And how many rings that Brady took away from other awesome quarterbacks. And if you were to like take the longevity and the guys who played the longest and were the best during Brady's 23 year runs, right. Excluding the young guys, excluding Lamar, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those guys, the guys from his era, Peyton, Phil Rivers, Big Ben, Breeze, uh, Breeze and Rogers, I guess you'd say the five, right. During that stretch, how many rings total do those guys have together? Right. Two for Ben, two for, one for Peyton, Breeze. one for Breeze, one for Rogers. So six, over under how many rings for the contemporaries around Patrick Mahomes over the next 15 years? 
Yeah. Like, so like, let's like, who are, like, let's just say right now, based off the quarterbacks we have, if we were to say, so you have Mahomes yeah, and who are the other five? You'd, you'd say Burrow, Lamar, Burrow, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Yep. Jalen. Brock, of course. I, I think those go, Herbert. The, those are the quarterbacks for the best teams. I think, I think, man, I mean, there's clearly that tier. I would, yeah, I mean, now you're talking about these guys. I mean, if you're picking like five very, like very we good. did, yeah, like we picked the five because obviously we're projecting those guys to continue to be really good you're over right. this next 10 years too. But like if we were to say the guys who are the contemporaries for Patrick, if for Mahomes, I don't know why I called him Patrick. CJ Stroud um, I would put up there. I mean, yeah, you could you could throw, and that might end up being one of the answers to it as well. But yeah. I'm just saying if you were to list those five or six guys of Josh Allen. Would, dude, five and a half is a really good over under six. Like, it's right around there, to your point. Like, I think Mahomes is going to, like, you'll have runs from teams that'll take one or two away. But I think, I think Mahomes is going to have a staple on this thing, especially those AFC guys. Like, and it's going to come dude, from the NFC. I would, I would take the under at five and a half. I think yeah. I would, you know, wow. like I, and it's, it's not to say that the chiefs are going to win it every single year or that, you know, they're, but it's, there's going to be flu- four out of be- every five years. I mean. yeah. And the, there might be like fluky years where like, if we're just talking about quarterbacks, like this year, if San Francisco wins, right? Like, I don't think we're maybe Purdy ends up being one of the guys in that conversation for sure. Maybe he doesn't, you know, depending on what happens. Cause the Niners are kind of in a similar spot to like where the Rams were, where they went all in. And they spent all their capital and and the, all their draft capital, and they have so much of their cap space filled up with these guys who are long term key guys. Like they could win the Super Bowl this year, and then they might struggle again moving forward. And depending on what happens with Brock, if they want to bring in a different quarterback in a couple of years because they don't want to pay Brock, you know, or they franchise tag him, that fucks up their cap. Like the, obviously, there's a lot you can do to circumvent all that, but. There's going to be fluky years over the next 10, 15 years where you have your Nick Foles Super Bowls and your Joe Flacco Super Bowls, right? Where like not one of those five guys ends up winning. But if you if you boil it down to like Allen, Lamar, and Herbert, uh, you know, Jalen, and you know, throw in a throw in a fifth guy, CJ Stroud. Um, I'm sure there's somebody that I'm forgetting no, here to, in this. To your point, I might have to be under Dak. because the problem is they're all in the AFC again. This has been the problem in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. These best quarterbacks are all in the AFC. And so, like, the only one you named was Jalen on, on the NFC side. And, yeah, he's been to one, but, he, you know, he's young in his career. Like, who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, like, this is just – it's a crazy time in the NFL. If this was more balanced, I think i go over. But to your point, all of them have to compete against each other and Mahomes. Yeah. That's the tough part just to get there. I, I think, and then they have to win that game, which is the hardest game to win. So yeah, I would say under two. That's and crazy. If we, if we project it out, right. So like this is year six for Mahomes, year seven, technically, but six years as a starter, say we over the next 10 years, right. That puts Mahomes at a 17 year career. I mean, there's a very good chance he could be done at that point or with modern medicine, he'll probably play younger. But if you just pick that 10 year stretch where all these guys are going to be in their prime and then start to age out of it, Four and a half, like four seems like a crazy number to think that like between all those guys, they're going to even get to four rings. Uh, that's, that's wild to me. That's a really interesting, it's a really interesting number. I'll be curious. Um, But in the meantime, it's more of the same in the NFL, more of Kansas city, more of Patrick Mahomes and uh, San Francisco's looking for revenge from a few years ago. Let's just um a good omen. At least if the Niners win, then we're not going to end up in another pandemic. 
you know, because that's what happened last time. Oh, Chiefs yeah. won. That's a good point. And then uh, like a month later, everything and was shut hit down. And we were, yeah, we were locked inside. So yeah. let's hope uh, maybe maybe that'll be a better omen if uh, if the Niners win. But nonetheless, Dude, how about how about us and uh, and the Chiefs playing a playoff game in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas before the Raiders have ever played a playoff game there? That that happens to a lot of the new stadiums, though. <laughs> like I think that no, I think that happened with MetLife too. Maybe the Jets. Uh, the Jets might have had one yeah. in there in 09. Because I'm trying to remember when that stadium was built and what year yeah. they had the Super Bowl. That was like early 09. Yeah. It'll be they interesting, Atlanta, man. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Atlanta. Definitely Atlanta. But yeah, that's uh that'll be fun, man. Vegas Super Bowl. I'm excited for Super Bowl week to get some, such great content too coming out. So and we'll get more content you uh to you guys later on the week. Uh we'll do an early Super Bowl preview. Um, and wrap up again, we're expecting to get the last two um, head coaching jobs filled here in the next couple of days. Leading candidates seem like Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator for, uh, for the Ravens. looks like he's going to be the guy in Seattle. We don't know yet, but he's the favorite right now. And Ben Johnson with the commanders. But once we get that info, we'll pass it along to you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start diving in, man. Super Bowl. Get the countdown going, Scotty. Congratulations to your boys. Enjoy the next two weeks. Your boys earned it. Um, and uh and yeah kansas city back in it again so it'll oh scotty i knew it i knew you were gonna give me a face there detroit lost that game all right everybody have a great (laughs) great week we'll be back with you guys later on to preview early super bowl talk and more uh so until then as always take it easy everybody